0: Welcome to Dan Malloy's Personal Power Podcast. Get ready to up your communication and commitment game. Hear from those who have succeeded using Dan's program. And now, here's Dan Malloy.
1: Hey, guys, how are you? Uncle Dan here. Another podcast session with my famous uh, producer, Billy Moretis. And, uh, guys, I want to talk today about... um, something that's near and dear to everybody's heart, and that is partnership. You know those people that you have in your life that make you look good? And I'm thinking I'm surrounded. I mean, <laughs> I'm surrounded by people that make me look good, believe me. Uh, Billy is one of them. He Not only is he a, a, a producer of this show, but he's a, a world-class guitar player, so we, we have the band rocking. and you, you know that when Billy has a lead... He's going to make the whole thing sound pretty amazing, you know. Uh, so it, it really incredible to work with these kinds of people, and I'm reflecting on my life, you know, of all the people that have helped me uh, achieve and accomplish what I've done in my life, all the people that make me look good. I got another guy that comes to mind uh, immediately is my uh, creative director, Um uh, Just uh, Derek Packus, what an amazing young man he is in his creative capabilities or just his design and everything. It just what he's done for our website and our brand and uh, uh, the way everything looks. I'm so proud to send stuff out, you know, that he's created. It just really, really uh, looks just totally professional. You know, and, and the way Billy did the intro to the podcast, making me look good, you know, making the show, the whole thing work. Um, right at the top of my list of making me look good is my wife, Doreen, because <laughs> she, without her, I was tell, say she keeps me alive. You know, like without her, I don't know what I would do. But um, she she's just the most incredible support person on the planet. Uh, just music every every all areas of life I mean she just I come to her with wacky ideas and she says yeah let's do it you know and then then she provides support and she provides wonderful just to make it happen whatever whatever it takes to get get it done is specifically we could talk about music you know because she she brings form and structure to our music projects over the years and uh, and uh, talk about uh, as a backup vocalist. You know, I, I do a lot of the lead vocal work. And she does that as well. But, you know, doing our show, we do the Eric Clapton show. And um, and she provides impeccable backups constantly. Absolutely incredible. And I always ask the audience whenever we're performing, I say, who wants to hear her sing more? And everybody goes, yes, yes. <laughs> they want to. She's She, in many ways, is content to, to provide uh, this backup. And, and to, she's tough on me, too. If I'm, if I'm doing something, Roy, she'll tell me. She'll provide support, you know, and, and help me uh, put in corrections for me, you know. Um, but I would never have been able to accomplish what we've been able to accomplish musically and have such fun. I mean, it, it's hard to explain what, the, what joy it is to go out on stage with a group of friends and, uh, and crank up the band and, and, and put on a show that has leaves people standing and clapping. You know, it's really, uh, it's a thrill to be able to do that. And it's the, uh, the support people, you know, this, this sound guy that, that helps you do that. Um, the, the, we're going to have a wonderful, wonderful guest today on this show, uh, on my podcast. His name is, uh, I'm going to say his name. It's, it's called, his name is Joe Sketchiofera. You can't spell it. It's unspellable the name uh we, Bill and I were just trying to figure it out <laughs> that's why his his company is called Ferro Productions and this guy this guy we I I met him through a, another friend I don't know maybe 25 years ago and he helped me with a project and we'll we'll describe the project once he comes onto the uh into the uh show but he he made us look so good that night that we did this show at the Waldorf Astoria in New York City, and uh, we'll talk about it, I'm sure. But he's a, he's a creative. He's a monster, monster, creative guy, uh, a creative genius. He's an author of several books. He's won, uh, I don't know how many Emmy Awards. He'll tell us that later, I'm sure. He's got two Super Bowl rings with the Giants. Not as a player, but they gave him—he did such a good job— for them, he he runs all areas, in charge of all their video that they do for the New York Giants, and they gave him a couple of Super Bowl rings. He'll tell us all about that. A world class, kind of all around good guy, creative guy that will that just that just makes you look good, you know. And I, I what this boils down to is, you know, it's like my whole philosophy, my whole lifetime philosophy about commitment about uh, helping people, I can help you with that, is a phrase that I've trademarked, you know, and used in my business, in my training and teaching and coaching. And uh, that's what it boils down to. All these people that I mention, and there's so many more in, in my life, in my business. My Linda, Linda Smith, who's my, my vice president in my company in charge of customer service. This is a woman that is so supportive, it's scary. She's that good, brings a tear to my eye. She's such an inspiration. She is, um, I'll just share this with everybody because she's that much of an inspiration. I've known Linda for about 35 years. She contracted um, uh, diabetes, gestational diabetes, which is because of giving childbirth, she came down with diabetes, nothing that she did wrong, whatever, and she's had it her whole life now since she gave birth. And uh, it's caused... Some serious problems. She, her, she's had uh, kidney failure and she's on dialysis three days a week. And uh, I still, despite all this stuff going on in her life, I've never, ever, ever heard her complain about anything. And she's always, always in an upbeat mood. And she inspires me and she provides me with impeccable support. She calls me and reminds me about stuff all the time. I, I would not have been able to accomplish what I've been able to accomplish with my company, developing this thing without her um, and her mood and energy. And one more group of people I want to just acknowledge as being great support people. It's hard to imagine the support of a coach uh, in athletics until you perhaps have done some of the things – I've done unless you've been on a team at a fairly high level, or, or you've been a competitor. You know, I was on. I was fortunate to get involved in uh, running at the age of thirty, and I, I, I've been running, running, running. But in uh, at the age of fifty-five, I decided I want to get involved in uh, triathlon, and uh, I got this coach. I got a bunch of coach. All of a sudden, you know, I went from having no coaches, so I had a triathlon coach, swim coach, running coach. And it was a combination of all this coaching, and of course my own determination and everything. I guess is important part of that. I had a vision that I wanted to make Team USA. When I started this thing, it took me four years, but I did it. And but it never would have happened without the the coach. You know, I said to Mike Trunks, uh, who's a close friend and a, a great track and triathlon coach. I told him, I said. After my first season in triathlon, I said, Mike, I want to make Team USA. And he said, he looked at me and said, sure, let's do it. And it's just that type of encouragement. You know, if you want to do something in life, really, that's something extraordinary, you need to <laughs> – this is my advice to everybody. You need to surround yourself. You need to swim with people. You need to dance with people that are going to support you, that are going to have your best interest at heart that are gonna provide you with the, with the coaching and the encouragement, you know? So I've been blessed and I, I think the other thing about this is you have to ask for support. You have to seek people out that are willing to help you, that are willing to share your vision with you. you know, seek them out and when you find them, empower them. Empower them to, to do what they do best you know, and, and, and have them become part of your team. So, hey, listen, we got a great show. I can't wait to speak with Joe. I think we'll have some fun. He's a character. We're going to talk about all kinds of different topics with him. He's led a very, very, very interesting life. And uh, so we're going to take a short break right now. When we get back, we're going to have Mr. Joe Skecheferro with us on the line here, okay? We're going to take a break right now.
0: Malloy Sales Development turns companies into commitment-based operations and their employees into commitment-based people because commitment for human beings is the foundation for everything. And in business, it's mission critical. Because the only time commerce happens in any company is when commitments are exchanged internally among employees and externally with customers and vendors. Visit us at www.MalloySales.com.
1: Hey, guys. Uncle Dan back here again. I'm really excited, thrilled to have my longtime friend and colleague, Mr. Joe Skechioferro, here with us. Uh, Joe is uh, an entrepreneur And Joe, first of all, I just want to say, like I said, I'm thrilled to be back in touch with you after all these years. And uh, uh, my opening, before you came on, I opened for 10 minutes and I talked about, I was reflecting on uh, people in my life that have provided support for me, the people that have made me look good, people that have been committed to what I've been committed to, to help me. You know, and I started thinking about it, and it's a it's a long list. And you're one of those people, you know. Uh, not, I, <laughs> so first of all, how are you doing, my friend?
2: I'm doing wonderful. I got teary eyed now. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this. <laughs> I knew, I knew it was going to get
1: emotional, Joe. I knew it. <laughs> but no, all kidding aside, you know what? You know what it is. I was hearkening back to that first big project we did um, <laughs> at the Waldorf Astoria. And I wonder if you could just share with with our audience from your perspective, right? What what that all looked like because we literally you you did something that that shook that no one should have
2: ever done in the world, <laughs> <laughs>
1: right? Right. Well, it's, maybe that that might be true, but it was really interesting, and it made us all look good, and it made the the company that was there made them Thank look you. great. So just describe what what happened and what went down and uh, all that kind of stuff. Well, maybe before you do that, why don't you share with people who you are and what your company is all about A little commercial for you?
2: Uh, okay. Um, uh, again, as Dan said, uh, I own several companies, but we're all in the all the companies are in the entertainment media production industry. Uh, some of my companies are engineering companies that support the vendors and the production groups. Some of us are some of my companies are actual production companies um were and just to establish the level at which we do we're all award-winning emmy award-winning multi-emmy award-winning uh production people on the front lines of production we do network uh we do huge concerts we do stadiums blah 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 uh that's been my life uh didn't start there obviously kind of grew to I want um, to talk about we that. We'll
1: get, back, we'll get back to that because I think that's – people are really interested in that. But I would, just to, to give a glimpse of how your mind operates, uh, I'll just set this up just for a second on the Waldorf Project. And then I want to talk about your career and all that stuff. Sure. No problem. Whatever you want to do. I had, I had a company out of Florida. I was a partner in this company. And we, we had to put on this show. And I contacted Joe through so a friend of mine. That was when I first met you. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I described to you what we had to do. We have to do, we'll do this. Uh, we're going to invite all these investors and all these people into town, into the Waldorf Astoria, and then and, uh, we want to do something special. So, Guy, why don't you take, take it from there?
2: <laughs> okay. Well, the product that it was the cornerstone, as I understood it, was uh, it was all digital, and it was a computer, and it sounds yes. silly now. But back then, these were, you know, this was breaking material, Uh, and concepts. And it was a high security and everything I'm going to tell you from today's perspective seems silly, but it wasn't then it was cutting edge over the top. So I get the call from Dan. We sat down, we talked about The first thing I always do is get a sense of my client, their audience, what they're trying to do. So the whole factor, uh, as those of you who know, have listened to Dan for a while, uh, everything has a big wow to it. So we jumped in to do the wow, and we opted to say, okay, you're going to have speakers come up and blah, 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 talk about this product and go through the whole thing, and your audience has seen and heard that a zillion times. So why don't we do something different and actually bring them inside the computer and give them the same sense of what it would be like to walk into a computer in the security, go through the, the different stages of passcodes and everything to get to the inside. So Dan had given us the Waldorf to work with. Um, and the one thing you don't do in the Waldorf is pipe and drape the most gorgeous fits, um, walls and ceilings and fixtures. We covered everything <laughs> so that it would look like the inside of a computer.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, some mind-boggling, the heart, it's hard to point. imagine
1: but describe what it was like for people when they walked in, first of all this is like the, one of the grand ballrooms in the Waldorf Astoria <laughs> Hotel and he's covering it, yeah. everything
2: we covered everything, floor to ceiling it was all in black drape, you couldn't see anything other than black drape and then we dramatically lit the entire place uh, we put up several big plasma monitors, plasma, you heard me say that Uh, plasma monitors at the time and we had done these videos that actually, it was like a Disney ride. We brought you through the video, kind of through through this product and traveled along. You can't see my hands, but my hands are moving all over the place Uh, and traveled along down this path and our audience sat and watched this and then the next would be the speakers came up to speak and we intercut their uh, monologues with different videos that were going on. Again, very extreme for the moment. But before you could get into the room, we had piped and draped the hallway, and we had models dressed in very seductive space girl-looking suits, and they were challenging each CEO of of these multi-million dollar companies and investors, they were challenging them for their password. And stayed in character. So we were stopping these people from getting into the room if they didn't have the right credentials, uh, (laughs) which somewhat bit us a couple of times. Because some people didn't find the humor in what we were doing or even understood what we were doing. Uh, So the show went on. We brought in several cameras. We were there overnight. We actually flew sound systems in. uh, And by flying, I mean they were up on riggings. We brought in trusses and rigged the inside of this room. Uh, with lights and scaffolding and everything else. So it was an extreme, extreme event that we had put on for a very stunned audience. And I think, uh, Dan, I don't remember the gentleman's name, but I know you guys had gone off to some bougie cocktail party where we were sweating and dying, building this room. And you came back around midnight uh, to just see what we were doing. And some of your partners, I believe, Uh, were a little jaw-dropped when they walked in because that's not what they expected. Uh, We even took their podium away from them and gave them a headset, a little clear mic headset that they had to do. Totally made everybody uncomfortable.
1: Yes. Yes. Well, you have a way of doing that. (laughs) (laughs) Which is good. I mean, you know, so my point is it shook up. At the end of the show, it, what happened ultimately, at the end of the show was the stock of this company that was the focus of this event took off. I mean, it went, went gangbusters. The, the, everybody was ecstatic over the result and the show and the mood and everything that happened. You know, And, and again, all I'm saying, my, my whole context for this was that you made me look really good. at at the end of Mm -hmm. that thing. So I I really... Well, you sign
2: the check. Sign the check, I can do anything.
1: (laughs) Appreciate it. Yeah. It costs a few (laughs) shekels for that too, I know. That was... It was certainly But you know what?
2: The end, and you and I had talked earlier on, and we, we landed on one cornerstone that was my crew's mission statement. They have to leave remembering they were here. And that was the whole thing. It can't be just another... Investor presentation it can't be just another thing there's no way that anybody in that audience today doesn't remember they were in that room and doesn't speak about what happened no it's there's true. no way it can't
1: it's true they they uh, yeah so it was memorable and I, I think that's a that's a great thing uh... segue into you and uh, your business and what you do and how you've won uh, how many Emmy awards
2: I can give you a funny Emmy story that I, that just happened last week. I have, (laughs) I have seven Emmys myself personally, and I have, now I have 12 nominations. And if you got 30 seconds, I'll tell you a funny story.
1: This is all about you, Joe.
2: Okay. So uh, if you know me, I sincerely in my heart, don't give a crap about awards. I really truly believe what I do and who I work with. It's team. It's collaborative. It's everybody. And, uh, you know, being in my position, I get the accolades for what I do, but it's not, uh, and, you know, we're just a band and we do a lot of stuff together and I don't like being compared one show to another show, to this, to that. I don't believe in them. Um, so with that said, uh, you know, I haven't even shown up to receive my awards at times. And so about, I guess somewhere during this isolation, my wife went on a crazy cleaning thing and just tore apart one of our offices and cleaned it from top to bottom, straightened it all out. She walks into the living room. She hands me these two big white envelopes. And she said, one has my name on it and one has my son's name on it, who's also in the business. And she says, what are these? As soon as I saw them, I I knew. I said, I think those are Emmy nominations. She said, what? I said, yeah, I think they are. My son and I had won, were nominated for Emmys, I had put those nominations aside, never thought about them again. But unfortunately, my son was 22 when we got these nominations. I never told him.
1: Oh, oh, you're kidding me.
2: I never even mentioned it to him. He's now 29. He's gotten his own Emmys. But I said to him, I said, could you imagine you being 22 years old, walking around with an Emmy? you would have killed hanging out in clubs. Right. And I apologized. I said, right. I, I get it from me, but that was, it was pretty funny for him.
1: That's funny. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So anyway, I, I, that's why I said I don't really, I don't pay much stock in it. I don't pay attention to it. But so, it does, it, you know, people, it does qualify us.
1: So let's, let's talk about young people, like your son. You know, well, he was fortunate. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he's your son. What do, you ta- what do you say to people, young people out there that want to get into show business, that want, to do the kind of, that want to do the type of production work that you do and the creative work that you do? How, how do they get started?
2: Um, that's a whole pitch to the company that we just kicked off. Uh, it, it's been five years in development, but I'm not going to get into that right now because it, 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 it'll start sounding like a pitch. But specifically, it was built on what you just said. Uh, one of my passions has always been a lot of people have helped me throughout my career and I'm a strong, I've been raised to give back.
0: Okay. Uh, you don't
2: get, unless you give back. Mm-hmm. So, and in our business in, in our industry, it's extremely difficult. Uh, am I allowed to curse on this on your podcast? Yes. Okay. <laughs> it, it, 90% of the production or the entertainment industry is built on bullshit. Most people don't know what they're doing. Don't know what they're so it's all facade. Okay. And the hardest thing for young people is to align themselves with the the righteous and the real, as opposed to the bullshit. Okay. Because you need to learn things. So when I always talk to, I have a lot of interns. We've had interns uh, throughout our all my companies and, and throughout all the existence of our companies. And the intern's first day is when they come in. And they sit down. I said, right off the bat, if you're in this because you want to work a nine-to-five job and you're in this because you think there's a lot of money on it, get up and leave. This is a career of passion. You have to want to do this. You have to can't not do this. You have to breathe this. Your brain can never stop being creative. Mm -hmm. If that's your soul, then this is the place for you. Okay. And it doesn't matter whether it's music or, or or drawing or art or graphics or camera or anything. It's all the same. And you have you to say, have. Wouldn't that you say that's,
1: that's similar? Like anybody that you know that's really extremely successful, they've been done it out of passion?
2: Always. Except Wall Street. Ah, you know what? Maybe even Wall Street because their passion is to make money.
1: You know, it's funny. I was watching The Wolf of Wall Street the other night. <laughs> I
2: love that movie. Yeah. There's a there's a there's a passionate man. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah,
1: yeah. Anyway, go ahead, buddy.
2: So yeah. So and that, that's that's always been uh, what drives me, and it's I always want to open the door for somebody, and even my son. You know, fortunately, uh, he has made his own way, and you know, a lot of times people will initially assume, oh, well, you're the son of the owner, or you're the son of this, uh, Emmy award winning guy, of course you're in the business. It's actually works the other way mm-hmm. because I've always expected more out of him. And I've leaned on him harder, especially within my crew. Cause I didn't want anybody to think he was being favored. So he had to earn everything and a little bit more than other people got. Right. And he's been able to do that. Uh, but even the young guys, the same thing. I said, we'll teach you everything. We'll teach you every and anything. You have to just wait till the right time to ask us questions. There's no senior member of any of my crews that isn't willing to teach you everything they know
1: at the right time. And I said,
2: at the right time, and that's timing is everything
1: in our business. Share, do do me a favor now, so you give people an idea. You got to just, you got to have tremendous dedication and passion, and just throw yourself into it. When you throw yourself into projects and work like this. and you got multiple companies, and I know you've written several books. Um, what happens when you truly commit to something, in your mind, in your opinion?
2: Everything else, you have to have blinders on. You really have to shut down. You sacrifice a lot to do what you do, because mm-hmm. you, I mean, if you speak to uh, my ex-wives, They'll tell you that there's points at which <laughs> there's how points many do at you have,
1: Joe? <laughs>
2: <laughs> I have two
1: ex-wives. Uh,
2: <laughs> now, God bless, I have one. One. Oh, my oh. current oh. wife is wonderful. She okay, she she, sure. she understands. I don't think she understands it, but she tolerates it.
0: Yeah, because good. it's yeah. and
2: it's family. Mm-hmm. You know, it's family. It's friends. It's everything. You don't have a traditional existence. You know, any entrepreneur I know, anybody who runs a business, you know, people look at him, even the very financially successful and people look, like, wow, that's so great. He's got this business and must be great. He comes and goes as he pleases. He could do whatever he wants. And, you know, he's the boss and that's all horseshit. I work for everybody and, right. you know because your dedication is to the cause. And Dan, you know that yeah, no, you work is. for your employees. You work for yeah. the, your vendors. You work for you work for everybody.
1: Yeah, well, you work for other people. I mean, I, I, that's a cornerstone of my work and what I do in my philosophy, you know, is that, you know, we're, we, we are on the planet. Every one of us is on the planet to help other people because because what I what I realize is that, you know, we're all... None of us can do what we do without other people. God bless. And, and you, that's you, it. You said that, you know, and you just can't. It's the commitment. You can't. So as an entrepreneur... You know, we, we, you, myself, others, are committed to helping your employees, to helping your vendors, to helping your customers, all that kind of good stuff. You know, it has to be. Um, yeah. And it's the expression of that commitment. That's that's the thing where I I find most people fall down is that they don't they're committed. I mean the fact that you're alive, you're committed, you're committed to the game, you're committed to the beginning from the beginning uh-huh. until the end. You're in, right? The the the, uh-huh. qu- the question becomes, I think, is h- how do you express that commitment? How do you articulate what you're committed to? How do you do that, you know, in such a way that inspires that inspires other people to to wanna work with you, to to share that vision, you know? Um I got some other questions for you, but do you get any thoughts on that?
2: Inspiring people? Yeah, yeah I do. Uh, and that uh, I align myself and I tell my clients that and my crew all knows that. My, my allegiance is to the project. So if we're working on a show, that's it. That's my focus. Mm-hmm. And I'll do everything I can humanly do. I'm not political. I'm not going to, uh, you know, placate people to get things. I'm going to do what's right and what has to be to make that project the best possible thing it can be. Even if it means pipe and draping an entire walled off room, because that's what was right to do. Right. So you, and you don't, and my crew knows that and we accomplished together. I'm probably one of the only, I can't say the only, but I'm probably one of the few executive producers in network production who at the end of a show goes out of the control room, walks out onto the stage or walks under the stage and helps breaking down and loading out with my crew. I'll push road cases. I'll wrap cable. Mm -hmm. I don't eat with the bougies in in the catering. I'll go eat with my crew sitting on road cases
1: Mm -hmm.
2: because that bonds us together. That makes us, you know, real. So when I ask for something, they're willing and excited to do it. Yes. And that's what you really need. You need people who want to do that. You can't force them. You can't threaten them. You can't pay them enough to do that. They have to want to do that. Yeah, you and hear, the want you, you, is equalizing with them.
1: You hear the expression lead by example. Like I always think of George Washington, you know, being out on his horse in front of the troops. Uh, mm-hmm. You always see him. And you can picture on his white horse with his sword drawn heading right into enemy fire. <laughs> he didn't. Yeah. He wasn't at yeah. the back. He wasn't, he wasn't doing an Obama lead lead from the rear. You no. know, he was out on the horse in front of, in front of the enemy fire. Uh, Actually. Yeah. And you,
2: you hit one of my sweet spots. I'm a, I'm a big history buff. I love reading. And I always imagine not what it, if I was there, because I always think people are the same. The yes. costumes change and the scenery changes. But their hearts are the same. Yes. So all of the characters you know existed. So when I think about like these kings who led their troops, the kings were on a horse. They were in the front of their troops. Now I imagine myself. Can I imagine Obama or Trump or Bush or anybody like in camels in front of everybody leading the troop yes. into battle? Absolutely not. Will I do that? Absolutely. Yeah. There's no way I can't do that.
1: Well, good leaders, I mean, that, that's the point here, I think, you know, about leadership, you know, uh, that good leaders will do that. And uh, I was with uh, a client of mine in Oklahoma, and uh, this guy owns a very successful business out there, a, a six-store chain of uh, auto repair and tire stores. And we were standing there closing one day, and these two young girls come in, and the shop is really closed. And we're standing in the, in one of the service bays, and and the young girl comes in, and she says, "I have a flat tire." And He says, "Oh, no problem. Bring it in." So he stopped what he was doing. This is the owner of the company. He stopped what he was doing, fixed the tire for the girl, sent her on her way, and just said, "Hey, don't worry about it. It's on me." You know, and that was that yeah. case in yeah. point.
2: You know, uh, those are, those 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 little glimpses of wonder are the things that I. I, I lock away in my brain, like, and it doesn't have to be a big moment. It could be that moment, and that will have such an impact on me.
1: You know what because happened as a result of light. as a result of this? To give you an example of how it comes back around, um, you know, I didn't know our conversation was going to take this course, but let's run with it. We we were doing a, um, uh, a gathering, a bu- we were having a business meeting in his main. Story has a huge conference room up there. It seats about 25 people. And we were having other dealers from around the country come in and meet with us. And we were going to have some seminars and whatever. It was a a good-sized meeting. And some of his technicians found out about it. And they came in on their day off, like a few days before the meeting, like on a Sunday, and they power washed the whole shop floor and rearranged everything and cleaned up a 10 bay facility in order to have it look hot for when the guests showed up. And nice. no, nobody asked them to do that.
2: That's great. That's nobody great. Nobody asked them. And that's, you know, again, like, wow. leadership. Yes. That, you know, it speaks volumes for who that man is and his relationship with that team. And those are what makes companies successful.
1: Let me ask you a quick I've question. I've had no
2: successful. I've had nothing successful that wasn't on the backs of other people. Nothing.
1: Exactly, and that's how, right. That's how I opened up this 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 podcast, which you'll hear the whole thing. But uh, who helped you? Who helped you along the way? Would you reflect? Oh, on God. some of those people. So
2: so many, so many people at different points, uh, under different circumstances, and like I said, some of them aren't really big names or big events or something monumental. It's just something I witnessed somebody do, uh, that illustration you just had it, that was that, but then there's obviously, you know, I've had some incredible mentors. Uh, Ray Charles happens to be one of them. Um, I've had uh, high school teachers who had nothing to do with what I do now but it was just the befriending and they the actually took a genuine interest in who I was. What did Ray Charles, uh, how did
1: Ray Charles help you?
2: <laughs> this, this, I could take up the rest of this podcast with Ray. I think you shared this um, with me once, didn't you? I think so. Tell me, refresh my memory. I, I probably did at some point. Um, so, again, my engineering company, that I, that's where I kind of started with, uh, not started the podcast, started my career in an engineering thing, which supported all of the music industry. And we did, we did take care of backline gear, designing, manufacturing, blah, 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 blah. Uh, so in doing so, obviously I got to reach shoulder to shoulder with a lot of great musicians and great celebrities within the industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of which was Ray. And I had met Mr. Charles, his gear came in to our shop one time and it went back and, his guys called us up and said, you did such a phenomenal job was a fender roads, which Dan, I don't know how many other people would know it was a fender roads. And he was just ecstatic about what we had done. And he said, you know, please come down. I'd like to, you know, uh, thank you for in person, blah, blah, blah. So I went down, we met Ray, we talked, you know, he's an incredible human being. Um, And we just hit him and I just hit it off. I mean, it was just, it wasn't Ray Charles. It was just, Ray, right. and we were just right. hanging out, and we were just talking about stuff, like just guys hanging out, and that relationship just built and built. But every time I was around him, I could st- just the fact that he was so approachable, and he was so not Ray Charles, he was just regular,
1: just a guy. And
2: we yeah. met, and we hung out, and he would tell me stories, and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't all of the. I mean, he's lived through some horrific prejudices. It never really wasn't a big story with him. He's lived through some incredible ripoffs in the industry. That was never a problem. What he would talk about is the creative sides of things, the people he worked with, and you know, people he met along the roads, and it was just nice. Mm-hmm. So fast forward, him and I are good friends. My first daughter was born. She's born with Down syndrome. Um, and so I, I come from a pretty impoverished neighborhood. And I'm used to you know in these kinds of neighborhoods, everybody's got an angle, everybody's got a hook, and so you you grow up thinking and there's an angle there's an angle you, you're always waiting for how am I getting hustled here right so when my when my daughter was born, all these amazing people came out of the woodwork There, there were volunteers, there were people from from other charitable organizations, and they really were sincere and they reached out to my family and kind of soften the blow for us. Cause I had no idea what I was in for. It was my first kid. And right. you know, I come from a pretty wacky industry. So it was kind of unnerving for me in the beginning because I was like, what's the angle? These people have some, something's coming. I'm getting hustled here and I don't know how, but I'm getting hustled so close to my heart that it's scary.
1: Right. Okay.
2: And then year after year after year, I realized there's no hustle. These are just wonderful people. And I, that was, honestly, it sounds strange, but it was the first time I realized there's just wonderful people in this world, like a lot of them. And they, they do they care. Not
1: everybody is out to hustle, right? Yeah, that's, that's great. Yeah, that, no. I believe like, that. Right? I, I, I believe that most that people, and this is what I, I think we go back to what I said before. It's like, peop, I think the basic human instinct is to help other people. I'm certain about that.
2: And uh, I would have to agree with you now. Go back uh, 30-something years, I would not have agreed with you because okay, I I'm, didn't see that.
1: Right, I, uh, that's true. I could see that. But, I mean, I mean, the basic instinct is to help other people, right? I mean, I think that's, that's part of human nature. Now, I, I think there's a big problem in that a lot of times people don't know how to do that, right, and, and are afraid to do it and don't know how to articulate it. Don't know how to express yeah, it. There's, there's a, there's, when that
2: gets weighed against survival. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but uh, you have to you have to weigh that against survival. And in certain environments, survival is first and foremost.
1: Yes, survival. Right. The base instinct is one of survival. And once you have your own survival handled, then you can help other people. That's true. I don't dis- I don't disagree with that at all.
2: And in a lot of where I was, survival was still on the forefront of everybody's mind. Okay. So look. So here we go. Okay. So now my daughter's five and she gets out of this little protective society and environment that all these wonderful people were in. And she goes off into public schooling, which was great. All all good. But I had this, this self-imposed debt that I took these people. I said, I have to do something good for them because they were so amazing to us. Mm-hmm. What could I do? And at the time I was deeply involved in the music side, so I said I'll write a song about the experience. We'll get the song recorded, and that'll go out, and that'll be a charity thing, and they'll make money. That was in the Band Aid and the Live Aid and Farm Aid. That was when all that was real popular. So I was like, okay, we'll do that. And I wrote it as a duet. And at the time, it was a Springsteen Whitney sort of mentality, mm-hmm. and it just became a problem with the politics of labels and all that other nonsense. So. Going back to Ray, Ray and I are sitting at the Helmsley one night, and uh, I mean, people are, hear the story to nauseam, that Ray and I are at the Helmsley, and <clears throat> it's just him and I in this in hotel, hanging out, literally hanging out, watching a Yankee game, and he consents that I'm, uh, I'm, I'm out of sorts. So Ray asks me, you know, what's up? And I was like, no, nah, don't worry about it, don't worry about it, blah, 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 blah. Well, he goes, good, what, what's the matter? And I explained to him, I said, you know, I wrote this song about my daughter, blah, 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 blah. blah, And now I can't get it done because everybody's an asshole and the politics. And the, that's not what this is about. Ray's dead silent. And I was like, what? He's not saying a word. I'm like, now what's up with you?
1: <laughs> All right.
2: me. You wrote a song about your daughter from your heart and you didn't ask me to sing it. Dan, I had no other way and I'm sorry, but I have to use, I have to use some severe profanity. I looked at him and I said, no, I didn't because you're effing Ray Charles. Right. He He was offended. It it." sounds like. He was totally offended. And I'm looking at it. I mean, we're friends, but I would never have asked that question. To impose on him. Yeah. When it, yeah, and Pose, because he is Ray Charles. Right. And that, you don't ask him to sing a stupid song you wrote. Right. But how cool he was, was he was offended by that. Long story short, he did the song. Uh, he did a great job with it, obviously. And we shot a music video with him, which is the only non-performance music video Ray's ever done. Really? Wow. And, and that went on to, after I did it, that was actually my entree into uh, video. You have, is that, accept, is that any place where I could see it? Um, you have it on YouTube? It or? is, but we, I, I won't put it out publicly because I don't want it to be moved around as a thing.
1: Okay. Because
2: that's not what it was for. It was, it still is, <laughs> it's still attached to a documentary we did and it still is a, uh, it still raises money.
1: Anyway, one day, one Stop. day I'd love to, I'd
2: love to see it. That's all my, my yeah, no, no, my, no, I have no problem response. sending it to you. I just can't send it out publicly.
1: Tell me, so this, um, is, this is. So you had a lot of help from a lot of people. Anything else you want to share, Joe, about that?
2: No. I mean, that list keeps going on and on and on. You had, one thing, I, I, mean,
1: I think you and I could talk for about four or five hours about your life. <laughs> I, I'm certain <laughs> about it. I'm, I'm absolutely certain about it. But tell me, we have time for a couple of other, one more big question, I think, on this. Um, sure. Tell me about how you handle... Breakdown, how you look at when this when shit hits the fan for you? And I know over the years it had to have hit, hit the fan a number of Many, many times. Many times. Uh, <laughs> yeah, which
2: is funny because people always look at all the successes and think, wow. And I look at them and go, yeah, it's a, there's a thousand of uh uh-uh, uh that you don't know right, about. And
1: failure, too, in the same – the, the flip side, the other part of this question is how do you look at
2: failure? You know? yeah, because I don't look at it as failure. I look at it as things that didn't work. Okay. I tried something and it didn't work. That just meant I got to find a different way to do it, or I got to find another time to do it, or I got to find a way not to do it.
1: Not to do it the way you
2: did. It's never (laughs) failure. It's never not. Right. It's usually 90% for me has always been timing. I'm usually too far ahead of there was a gentleman I worked for at ITT Defense when I worked for the aerospace program for a while. Um, and he was a supervisor. He's one of those guys that you just asked me about. His name is Paul Gallows, phenomenal guy that I, you know, serendipity brought us together. Um, and he, he was the one who taught me that, you know, things, anything you do, you have to only be 10% new. Anything more than that, you're not going to get anybody to understand what you're doing. And that has lived with me. Anything I do commercially or anything I do that I know I want to, I have to generate income from. I know I have to, and one of this project we're doing right now, it took us, took me 10 years to get it to where it is. But only in the last three years did anybody understand what I'm doing. Because prior to that, everybody thought I was out of my mind. It didn't make any sense. Why would anybody want this? Why would anybody do this? Where's the value? How are you gonna make money? I mean, a million million questions. Right. That got thrown at me for year after year after year. Now it's people are knocking on my door saying, "Hey, can we be part of this? This is a great <laughs> idea." Yeah, I, I'm doing three I things like really, this.
1: I can really, you know, it's funny you should say that because I'll just say this: I'll pat myself on the back. I got four new clients this week. You know, and it's um, you know, it's been working on my process and everything for 20 years to try and figure it out. All different software configurations and all different ways of approaching it. And finally, people are like going, wow, yeah, okay, good, we're in. Let's do it. (laughs) Uh, And I've been able to sell it. I've been able to sell my program for the last 20 years. That's not the point. But to have it really take off is a different different animal because it's all different configurations and different looks and different ways of articulating it and, and just the whole thing is different. But, yeah, cool.
2: Yeah. And, and yeah, and I mean, I've listened to you and, and and your philosophies and your thoughts and they're spot on. I mean, there's no question that they're not going to make somebody successful. They're not, not going to work They're if they're all going to work. And it's just a matter of to what degree does the recipient utilize the techniques and the style? Yes. And that's the degree at which it's going to succeed.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm.
2: You know, yeah. you can give some, you know, you give three people a hammer and one's a phenomenal carpenter, and the other two are morons. <laughs> right, the carpenter's going to build an amazing house, right? Because you know he wants other, and to and he, learn and how. The other, use the, tool are, he the other ones are
1: the uh, other ones are Antifa knocking it down. You know, so <laughs> we won't go there right now. Same yeah. hammer, same hammer. Yep, two different skill sets. Right there, you um, go.
2: Exactly, exactly.
1: Yeah. So, what talk about the breakdown, the challenge you know that you faced that you overcame and.
2: I mean, the one that comes to mind, uh, you you had asked me this earlier on, uh, uh, offline and it, it's, uh, you, you mentioned something about one, a breakdown or a failure or something. What was one, the, the the illustration, the one that illustrates the most was about, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago, uh, when my, the federal production was in its uh, really on the rise. And we had a lot of gear. We had a lot of cameras. We had a lot of video. We had done a tremendous amount of projects, uh, all archived on our hard drives. And everything in one facility, lights, cameras, audio, blah, blah. And the entire facility burned to the ground one night.
1: I know you should.
2: And we lost, we lost everything. Aye, like aye, we aye. went, it was like the pandemic. <laughs> we went from moving along to suddenly just flatlined. Nothing. It was our pandemic at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And that was one of those how do we, how do you recover from this? How do you and I'm, you know, and I've got a crew of people looking to me. I've got family looking to me for okay, how do you get out of this? <laughs> and now what? I mean everybody. Yeah. Everybody thought it was over. Yeah. But it's never
1: over. It's never it over. The game. You know, right, it's a different game. So talk about that. So how do you turn that adversity. All of a sudden, you're riding high, and boom! Next thing you know, you've got nothing. What do you? How do okay, you? What, well, how do you re? How do you reinvent? How do you reinvent yourself at that point? People be, be interested in this, Joe. I'm sure. I'm certain.
2: Okay. Well, the, the first and foremost is I'm very spiritual. So anything that happens, I think it's it's divine. I'm not on my own. Mm-hmm, okay. So you, you, I sit back and I listen. Okay. You, this happened for a reason. Or it, there, if it didn't happen for a reason, there's a way out of this. I just need to know what that is. And it happened. Uh, I, you know, I, I called my crew together the next morning, told them what had happened. You know, the building's gone. It, it, I've never seen such devastation. It was a seven-alarm fire. Um, so I called them all together. They all rallied at my house. And they walked in, and heads hung down, one running after another. It was truly a very morbid going to a funeral moment.
1: Right. Okay. And
2: I just quietly opened the door, let everybody come in. They all took seats. We all sat around for a few minutes. I didn't say a word. They all sat around. I sat for about five minutes. Nobody spoke. And then I said, okay, everybody done? You, you got it? <laughs> and, you, you. Everybody and they done? looked at me and I said, okay, fuck this. We're done. Let's go. How do we get back? That's our focus. This is behind us. My question is now, what do we do? How do we get out of here? Right. Number one, let's go see what we can, what's salvageable in that building. There's hard drives. Maybe we can get a hard drive. Maybe we can go to fire restoration. Maybe we can get this. Maybe there's a camera that could be clean. Let's go see what we can get out of there. But I'm telling you right now, if you've ever walked into a building that burned to the ground, you can't recognize anything because there's no, the walls, the structure, there's, the there's windows. There's no there, there. Yeah. Yeah, so you're in and you're usually knee deep in water and muck because you got to realize how much water gets poured on a fire. Yeah. So, you know, I said before we do that, we closed our eyes and we truly man by man together visualized every inch of the building. When you walked in the door, what was to your left? What was to your right? You went three steps. What did you see? What was on top of you? What was over your head? And fortunately, we're all visual people. So that retention, whether you know it or not, is all there. Mm -hmm. So we reconstructed the entire office, the entire warehouse, the entire facility. We reconstructed it on paper. Then when we finally went to the building, we were able to say, okay, this is the front door. Now let's see what, and then we were piece by piece re-identifying it. So that was the mechanical thing that we were able to do which got them re-energized because we were there were some great stories which is in one of our blogs if you go to the site and look at it there were some great finds and, and I'm not going to tie up some of these g- stories but there were moments of great elation because we found things that we thought were gone oh, cool. like I shot a lot of 9-11 footage and I thought it was gone but in the pile of rubble burnt embers gone, like aluminum chassis to computers melted into a ball. And right next to it sat four plastic beta boxes with the tapes from nine 11. Unhurt. There was stuff, crazy stuff yeah, like that. Right. I mean, there was some devastation stuff, stuff that was lost and gone would we'll never get it back. But after that was all over and it was, I'll give me one other point. And I'm sorry, I don't know how to do a short story. Um, so one of the you're things in show business. all of us,
1: you're in show I, know, business. I
2: know, I know, I know. <laughs> details. You make so it I, entertaining. I walk in, I walk into the spotlight. I'm not stopping. I don't give it up. So one of the things in our industry, we all collect is credentials is our laminates. When you work on a show, you're getting a laminate so you can go backstage so you can do your job. Right. Those become medals of honor. And the, okay. the more you have, the bigger your collection, They're, those are more important than awards. Really? Okay, all the
1: stuff you've done. Yeah, sure.
2: I mean, because there's huge names attached to them, big shows, uh, you know, presidential conventions, the royal weddings. I mean, it's not just music and entertainment. There's just anything you've ever seen on television or gone to a show or Broadway or anything, we've worked on or we've been there. Right. So anyway, we have all those credentials. I had all of mine. He had all of it. My son had all of his. And there were other people's there. And that was one of the things I had to sit down with my son. He was young at the time. And I said, listen, because he was like, all my credentials are in there, blah, blah, blah. I said, understand, those are paper. Nobody can take your memory away from you. All all that you lost was a piece of paper that said you did it. You know you did it. And you don't need that paper. When you're telling somebody the story, you're not showing them the credential. So I prepared him for that loss. So we get there, and as we're going through it, I find my completely melted ball of credentials gone. Just I could just about see that they were that. There was a piece of metal, and some of the, the the hooks that held the credentials on there were still there. So I was like, okay, mine are gone. I tossed them. He's digging around, digging. We're all digging for stuff. All of a sudden, I hear him go, here's my backpack, and he found his uh, vinyl black backpack. That his stuff was in, and the backpack was melted into a hard, almost looked like a bowling ball. That's how crisp and how the metal had uh, coagulated.
1: All right.
2: He cuts it open. Inside is a vinyl lunch pail that we had gotten from one of the Super Bowls we worked on. It wasn't even dirty. Inside were every one of his credentials.
1: <laughs> right, like a miracle.
2: Yeah, I mean it straight up was. Yeah. So th- those are those were all the positives that were happening in those couple of days. And then it was a matter of me sitting down saying, all right, what's what now? Two things happened, uh and then I'll end the story. My competitors, people I compete with, other production houses who you think would swoop down and grab clients, called me up and said Dude, if you need anything, and I'm not using it, it's yours. You need cameras, you need audio, whatever you need, let me know, and you can borrow our stuff as long as we're not using it. Amazing, That right? dropped yeah. me. It was, oh, this is a good, good people. And it's based on you give, you get. So I've never screwed anybody. I've always gone out of my way for people. I've always done that, not for to be reciprocated, but I did that because, for me, that's the right thing to do. Yes. And here it was coming back at me. Mm-hmm. And the second thing that I realized sitting there, and this was me and my accountants, they said, do you really need to, oh, by the way, you're never insured for a total loss. <laughs> never. <laughs> right. Right. Not even close. Right. So it's not like, oh, I got this big insurance check and I'm going to go buy my gear. So we sat with my accountants and we went through this together. Uh, they're also deal-framed. And they were asking me really good questions. Do you need to buy this new equipment? I said, well, yeah, I need this gear. Can you rent it? Yeah. Why do you need to buy it? Do you need it every day? Is the cost of your rental going to exceed the cost of the product? I said, Probably not. Right. And he said, don't cameras and don't technology obsolete itself? Yeah. So you can keep renting better gear. I said, I can. And it, all that's all I needed to prime my head. A new business
1: model for Joe is now born, right, out of the breakdown.
2: Born right there at that table yeah. in the middle of it. So that's why I said there's you don't know what's coming if you don't dwell on what's gone. Right. You're, you're always in the right place.
1: I, I always like to say, you know, it's like I tell people all the time, you're in the perfect place. And, uh, and yeah. I said, really? I said, that's, yeah. That's, do you know, do you know how statement. I— do you know how I know that? And they go, How come? I said, How do you know that? And I said, Well, because that's where you are. You will, you're guaranteed. If you think you're in the wrong place, that produces lots of suffering. That produces ulcers. That produces, all, you're, you're always in the perfect place because that's where you are. So,
2: preach on, little man. Man, look at you. <laughs> hey, you l- got it. You got it.
1: <laughs> l- listen, the, uh, well, I've had my own perfect places too. <laughs> As you get older, <laughs> been through a few. But it's not about me. I really want to thank you uh, for being here. Like I said, I'm, I'm I'm certain we could talk for several more hours about music, about all the shows, about we didn't even touch on the fact that you're the videographer for the you do all the video for the New York Giants, and you get a couple of. Super no, Bowl let's
2: qualify and... that. People people misunderstand that. All right, good. We do all the television programming for the networks that cover oh. the New York Giants. So we do the shows, not we don't do the the video of the games or of the coaching. Okay. We actually produce the television programming that the networks use that cover the New York Giants.
1: Okay, got it. Now that that's clear, you have two Super Bowl <laughs> rings. That's all I care about. You have two Super Bowl rings. I saw. That. I do. I do. Yeah. I do. Thank you. So uh, anyway, listen. I I really want to thank you. This is a thrill. You know, I'm glad that we're talking again. Uh, my pleasure friend. Uh, because you know the times we live in are kind of crazy, and so it takes creative people. It takes new thinking. Uh, you, you can't get new results in life without new thinking, you know, And so you know it's it's very useful to have creative people. It's tremendously useful to have people that have your back. and I know you have the back of a lot of people. And you made me look good. Yeah. so I, I mean, I really appreciate you and what you do and what you bring to the bring to the party. So this has been a thrill for me. I just want to thank everybody. We're going to take a short break right now. Uh, We'll come back and wrap things up. I just want to thank Joe for being here, and uh, we'll talk soon, my brother, okay? All right, my friend. Thank you so much. Be good. Take care. Bye-bye. We're going to take a short break right now.
0: Dan Malloy's Personal Power Blueprint is a game changer. This podcast is designed to open the door to unlimited personal power by teaching you how to communicate more effectively and to sell more. It's based on a philosophy Dan developed called the language of commitment. Listen and subscribe at www.molloysales.com.
1: Hey, it's Uncle Dan again. I just want to thank everybody for being here. That was a great interview. I thought I had so much fun. I never get tired of listening to uh, – to Joe Skechifera. he's a, he's really a, a, a one of a <laughs> one of a, They broke the mold uh, when they made him. But uh, listen, I just want to tell everybody: please go to malloysales.com uh, We've got lots of good stuff up there. Articles. We've got a, a, a library of webinars that we've done with with lots of interesting people. You know, I realize I'm on the planet to help to help business people and to help. Individuals become great salespeople, and so you can count on me for that. And uh, on that note, uh, Uncle Dan signing out until the next the next show. Okay, thanks, guys.